Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This is episode 829 episodes that I've been doing since 2014. That means this is seven years. Good Lord. Lots of uh, going up on, on eight years now. Uh, over 800 podcasts released, obviously this one being 8, 829. This episode brought to you by Fox Racing USA as well as Fox Racing Canada. Um, obviously those are, are uh, like married cus- uh, companies, but uh, they, they both do support me in different ways. Uh, of course, uh, on the, the, the product and and, uh, and and promo side be Fox Canada and then uh, I got to give a shout out to Austin Hoover and all my guys over at Fox Racing USA who uh, who do so much to support this podcast Um, without those those guys these these things don't happen Um, same thing with Guts Racing Uh, Guts Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing one of the best guys we know and uh, we're also working on something for 2022 with Eric Phipps from Works Connection Um, I am your host Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all these podcasts. I'll always be on all these podcasts until maybe later on this year when we uh, we allow a, a takeover of some sort sometime in February. Uh, with us on the line, he's a repeat offender um, and, and not by popular demand whatsoever. He's the last resort when we need to get a guest on, guest to do some sort of a podcast every single week. Uh, he's the one and only. He's the owner of the collective experience. What's up, Dave Drakes? what's up man i like the not my first choice but you know (laughs) absolutely hey your girlfriend say the same damn thing yeah exactly yeah she's uh she's definitely settling down for me man definitely definitely (laughs) like you you're a third round pick at best but uh yeah no kidding maybe an undrafted free agent maybe perhaps but uh (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, pleasure to uh, to have you on again. You're fresh off of uh, only one re- week removed, I think, from a very special appearance on none other than the Pulp MX show. Get guy gets 20 minutes on uh, guaranteed to be the biggest podcast in all of uh, all, maybe all of motorcycling, let alone motocross. Um, tell tell me a little bit about it. You you like uh, Steve reached out to you. You reached out to Steve. How'd that work? Yeah, so um, I talked to Steve, I think, last year about coming on, and honestly, I forgot about it. He was like, yeah, dude, always always willing to have you on, just, uh, just send me an email, and just forgot about it. So um, it like clicked in my brain like 11 months later, and uh, yeah, I was like, hey, man, sorry, I've been super, you know, lackadaisical with this and, and completely forgot, and um, yeah, he got me on and said, yep, it's no problem, and yeah, we chatted for a while, and it was fun, man. It was good talking to him and, and Daniel Blair and you know, I'm a huge Blair fan, so just kind of going over uh, with the, the program, the ins and outs, some funny little anecdotes, uh, you know, over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, I couldn't get into full detail about a lot of the crazy stories that happened around the races and stuff, but uh, no, it was cool, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't do a little bit more prying when the name Josh Greco comes up, uh, but I, th- yeah, I think that yep. just gives uh, gives a little bit of uh, a, a crack of the door open to maybe have Greco on at some point to uh, divulge some of that stories because he does he does currently have a domesticated raccoon uh, part of his yep. um, his repertoire, uh, which yep. never ceases to amaze me. Like, like Greco as an individual, as a car, as like basically a living comic book character. Um, <laughs> attending races for well over five, maybe even six full seasons. 
Um, never scoring points ever yet uh, for any like even there's a lot of times he doesn't even race in the the night show but he shows up he does his thing and he's uh, more talented uh, in his left pinky finger than I have at all so uh, yeah cheers to that that just speaks speaks volumes to the to the level of the racers that we talk about on a regular basis on this podcast um, yeah but uh, yeah, any- good though I mean he, he's definitely improving over the last couple of seasons. oh yeah absolutely um, dude has been, been getting better and then like crazy to think about it is like He's knocking on the door of like you know, um, uh, you know, top. I'd say close to being able to to get there with a, in a good transfer spot if he were to get a good start, right? Like he he's super he's super solid that way. But the guy has that zero time on the bike. Like he never practices ever. So I think this year he's coming in with a lot of seat time. I'm I'm curious to see like what happens because I think he's just super talented. He just never had the prep time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, he he always comes in um, underprepared and undertrained, and then yeah. still is like he need all he needs like four seconds, and sometimes you're like, really, like that's it, like yeah, yeah. four seconds yeah. sounds like a lot, but like at the same time, four seconds is like it means you're jumping all the jumps that you like have ninety percent of the jump sequence uh, jump sequences. Like he might not be going table over two, but like. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild to see yeah. what he can, he can accomplish on uh, not a lot of uh, of prep time. But uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, first and foremost, to give a little bit of attention to the collective experience, which is t- kicking off a brand new season um, mm-hmm. starting this year. And you've already been doing a little bit with uh, Jeff Crutcher and uh, the uh, Rip and Ruts Cycle Zone KTM team, the RRCZ mm-hmm. KTM team in, in arena cross racing in the Hoosier series. You were there for the first round, uh, on scene as well with Tyler McAdams, who, uh, that's the last time we're going to mention that guy's name on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I love that guy, uh, but, uh, yeah, in, in all seriousness, how'd that go with the weekend? And, uh, what do you have in store for us in 2022 with the collective? Yeah. Uh, the Hoosier series was, was really cool, man. So that was my first kind of soiree into the arena cross side. And, We've had the program going with Crutcher for a little bit, but this is like the first time where we were like, you know, we're going to kick it into high gear and we're going to have, um, you know, some, some OG interns come back, help us out, do some content and just, you know, just start making, uh, making a big push to get more interns in and, and make some more connections. And man, it was awesome. The racing was really good. It's really, um, it, it almost reminds me of the vibe from like straight rhythm, you know, where you have all these like really fast guys. But everyone's pitting like really close to each other. Everyone's kind of like buddy buddy. No one's really having like you know major issues racing tight. And it was it was really cool. Track was super was super cool. Um, I, mean, I got got gave me a little bit of a the impression that like these dudes are a lot faster than, than myself, obviously. And uh, it made me like it kind of invigorated like me wanting to ride again. Like I go to these supercross tracks that are extremely gnarly. And so do you, Brad. And you know, like walking the track, we're like, you know what? Not too stoked about this section. I, don't, I can't see myself going, you know, two over table, three out, dragging back. But go to arena cross side, and yeah, there's some there's some pretty technical stuff. But it like, you know, hey, this looks kind of doable, and and it's really cool to see the amateurs riding, and then watching the pros do their lines. It's, it's super cool. It's really really interesting. So um, yeah, I, I definitely want to get get to more and I, I encourage so many people to go check it out, man. If, if you're listening and you want to go to a, a arena cross, check out the Hoosier series cause they're doing it right. 
um, for 22, we're, yeah, we're, we've got the, the motocross program going out. We've got the arena cross side. We're working on getting the supercross side uh, figured out and um, get something going there too. And uh, I, I just want to continue to keep the, the mission that we've been doing, is, which, which is helping people get behind the scenes, get this uh, hands-on experience that they're looking for to kickstart their career in the sport uh, and make some connections that you can't make anywhere else. So we're, we're going to keep, keep the mission going strong and, and uh, you know, have a positive impact on the, on the, uh, the community as a whole. Absolutely, and uh, completely just bringing this on you on the spot, my good friend uh, James Dahlman heading down for Anaheim One. Uh, this is not something that I've discussed with you whatsoever, even ran it by you, mm -hmm. but he needs to be an intern uh, for the first round, uh, and that actually needs to be a comped thing for absolutely no dollar, so uh, that's approved by you, I assume? Sure, why not? I'm All right, cool. Awesome. Love to anyway. hear it. Yeah, I know he's hold you to it because he is listening. Uh, pump for you, James. That's going to be a solid day. Uh, mechanics pass in the whole nine yards. He literally just crapped his pants on his way to work on Wednesday morning. Uh, great to hear it. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. We'll talk about that after. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, I also wanted to sort of like get, get some topics done with you. Literally looking forward to uh, what the collective is able to produce over the next next year coming up obviously all the way through supercross and outdoors and with the arena cross with jeff as well uh and if people want to stay up with that as more than they already are uh not only they can follow you on on instagram but uh you do put out a lot of youtube content as well don't you yeah yeah the, the youtube content has been going strong for a couple of seasons now man we've got everything from supercross motocross vlogs like behind the scenes of the behind the scenes with multiple, multiple riders. We've got some how-to videos on there. Uh, we've got some uh, really cool interviews, uh, Foul Plugs Moto Show, which you're the guest on for a number of them. We also have this really cool um, budget, uh, the ultimate super mini bike build coming up really soon too. So that should drop in the next couple of weeks. Um, just trying to grab a, a really cool super mini that a lot of people I think will uh, will be pumped to see and uh, getting that thing built really, really well on the budget. So stoked to uh to get that up and i think a lot of people are going to be uh pretty jazzed on it all right man well that is fantastic we, uh if, if we ch chit chat any more about the collective we'll probably have people tuning out uh but uh yeah, right. I, I obviously dude i i love what you guys do and, and how much passion you have for it you guys uh, provide some of the most exclusive and inclusive experiences in the pits uh, around a sport that people are extremely passionate about and uh and that's something that i can get behind every single time so let's jump into some uh, some some topics of discussion. Uh, this is going to be basically just a you and me going back and forth, sitting on the tailgate at a local track. We both just finished our three lap rides. Um, arm pump, <laughs> like that, just true. Yep. just ruined with arm pump. We're both going to talk about how fast we used to be uh, and all that. Uh, we've gotten yep, past yep. that portion of the conversation, and then like we're talking supercross, and then I all of a sudden ask you, like, dude. Is Austin Forkner done? Oh boy, what a what a topic Forkner is, man. I'm sure so many people have been talking about that guy over the last couple of months, but in my opinion, I don't think Forkner's done. What I, I where I do think uh, he's going to be very limited is his career longevity. So the kid's still young; um, he's still got a lot of potential, a lot of talent, a lot of opportunity. But if he keeps riding the way he's riding, which is crashing at the halfway point of you know 
of of the 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 good points battle, right? And so for a two fifty, that's what three or so races in, four mm-hmm. races in. Um, if he keeps doing that, he's going to continue to just tarnish his uh, his status and stature within the sport. Man, people are going to see him as a only crashing kind of guy, and it's gonna I think it's going to damper his chances of really getting a solid solid ride continuously which you really need to be competitive with some of these top riders, especially if you're going up against the Yamaha teams. Cause I mean, they're ruling the class. Uh, and then it's going to, it's going to hurt more like his, his mental fortitude, man. It's going to, it's going to start to weigh on him. I think the same way that it used to for Dean Wilson, you know, a, a lot of people kind of wrote him off for a while as a guy that only crashes. And I think for a while he did too, you know, talking about himself and, and he talked about how much it like, it hurts your, uh, you know, your confidence in yourself and, and just that, that mental fortitude you need to, to be a champion. So I don't know, I mean, uh, how many times, how many more times can he hit the ground the way he has been and get back up? Right. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of, is he done? I think it's a matter of how long is he going to last? Yeah. I, I have a hard time thinking that uh, maybe, may, like maybe done is harsh, but like has the has the ship sailed on him becoming the next like the Eli Tomac that you know what I mean like that those those mm. legends in the sport that graduate to the 450 class multiple championships a boatload of wins like I I feel officially that ship has sailed I feel like can he still mm, go gotcha. cr- crazy fast and like let's not forget like in the last number of seasons He's won a 250 Supercross every single year, um, but still to this to this day, and he turned pro, and I believe it was 2017. That's mm. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Five full years of Supercross, no championships. Um, I don't think he's ever fully finished an outdoor series. Always has crashes, always has injuries, and and for the most part, like like despite showing blistering pace, uh, he's never really even fought down to the wire on a championship. He, like it's always like he's kind of crashed his way out of it. Um, so like honestly, like we've had we, you've seen more impressive guys in the two fifties that have eventually fizzled out in the four fifties. So uh, unfortunately, unless like he makes some serious changes and finds some consistency that he's not shown at all uh, so far in his uh, his young career, um, I, I don't I don't think that uh, like you said he's going to have the longevity in the sport. And uh, I, I seriously uh, think that this like the way his career has gone so far has taken years away from what his uh, his 450 career would have looked like. Like even if he gets a championship, I don't see him doing a whole lot more in the 450s than maybe say like a maybe a a, a Brock Tickle with a little bit more upside or like a Jake Weimer with a little bit more upside. Like um, he's got potential to possibly win races down the road on a 450 if he's able to like obviously like the the, the speed is not the question. It's is can you can't stay consistent? Can you stay healthy? And he has not been able to do that at all uh, as a as a four two fifty F rider. So um, obviously yet to be seen. But uh, honestly, like in my opinion, I think the ship has sailed as far as him becoming uh, one of the next great ones. 
that's that's a that's a really good point you bring up too it's um you know what what that outcome is going to be for four fifties too and um i i i guess i kind of have to agree with you man and and you know this isn't a fortner bashing session no for anyone listening out there like you obviously you and i we're big fortner guys like we we think he's super talented and he's great Extremely. But no, i mean when it when it comes down to it man like i think the Forkner that could have been like, wow, this guy is something, you know, like, like, you know how Cooper Webb le- left his legacy in the 250 class. And then once he went to the KTM had that, you know, the flash of brilliance and he's, um, you know, multi-time supercross champion now in the, in the big boy class. I, I think that, that Forkner that had that same sort of, uh, potential. I think that was like two years ago, Forkner, the Forkner that we have now, uh, because of all those crashes and and kind of like I said, what it does to the to the to those mental state and kind of you know you start doubting yourself whether you want want to or not whether you want to admit it or not it happens right um, and just the way that uh, the way that his competitors have I guess matured and progressed I I really don't see him overcoming some of these these faults that he's had man unless he has a major uptick in maturity gets the right the right trainer and mental coach around him and and really shores up a lot of the the inconsistencies with his riding and technique that's making him crash. I don't, I don't see that kind of forker, man. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I still see him winning super crosses and, and being a guy in the, in the, the discussion of who's going to win tonight, who, who could possibly win. But I mean, the guys, look who he's racing against too. He's got both Lawrence brothers. He's got Justin Cooper. Uh, he's got uh, Colt Nichols and a, and a few other guys that are just, they're so mentally strong. They're so solid. They're so fast. Their bikes are solid. They don't make many mistakes, you know, and, and, that, and that list is bigger. He's got his teammate to worry about too, Shimoda, um, you know, it, 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 whichever weekend, uh, uh, what's his name? Christian Craig is, is kind of feeling he might drop down to 250 or 450, take your pick, but you know, you got him to contend with. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I don't see him being able to overcome all those variables right now to be that that uh that that type of rider man i I just i I really don't see it given much what we've seen historically over the past two three seasons totally agree and you know what another thing that comes to mind is the fact that he always seems to have and this again it's not a bash yeah the the shit on forkner podcast um but one thing that i i think that i would like to see come out of his program is this sort of chip on his shoulder of this like kind of everyone's out to get me like um everyone like you know what i mean like he just seems like he's yeah. kind of like this like uh everyone's picking on me or some of sort of like mantra and i i don't like i don't see that i just see uh, like an industry that's sort of like we're just waiting on this kid to fulfill the potential that we all saw and we see like you, you see these, the laps this kid puts down and you're just like absolutely dumbfounded by how, how fast he can go on two wheels. And then at the same time you, you end up kind of scratching your head at some of these, these big, big crashes that he has um, that a lot of times are just uh, him pushing it where he doesn't need to push it. So uh, hopefully uh, some age kind of help, help some of those things work themselves out. That's that's what I'm hoping, man. Is that like I said, he matures a little bit, and, and you know, some of the best riders in the world have done that, dude. Like I'm watching Bar Bar to Bar 06 right now, and like, dude, Stu was like that when he was on 125s and first year in 250s, and um, you know, I'd say Ricky kind of a little, little bit of that too, and um, Millsaps, and you know, 
seeing Cirillo, all these guys, like, you know, they, they have these points in their career when they first come into the pros where they ride a little over their head and they make mistakes and it, it happens, but they all figure it out within, you know, two to three years and, and calm down and ride more mature, which allows you to go a little bit more, more fast, I think, cause you're more methodical. You're more precise with your, with your intentions. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen that from Forkner yet, man. And this, like I said, I keep, I keep going back to this longevity thing, man. I, I don't, how much longer can you, can you keep that up? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think uh, he, something needs to change, and uh, yeah. like, and and those kids that are coming into the class, they're fast. So, uh, so watch out, uh, Austin. Uh, that that could be uh, something to uh, just one more thing that he's got to worry himself about. Uh, next item on the docket, we have the return of Justin Hill. The 46 machine uh, in MotoGP has ridden off into the distance, but that has ushered in uh, the 46 to come back to Monster Energy Supercross. Uh, back on Kawasaki's, this time not on Pro Circuit for the third time, uh, but um, on Kawasaki's with the P- Team PRMX, now backed by Partzilla. Um, by far the most high-profile rider they've ever had on their team. In fact, the first time they've had a guy on their team that is a former champion in the sport as well as a national number holder, uh, the 46 machine uh, of Justin Hill. Uh, and I ask you, how's this going to go? Um, what are your predictions for um, Justin Hill's success going into this season and and what needs to happen in order for him to actually be successful and to be able to look back on the 2022 and say this was a successful year racing uh, obviously a supercross only contract I, I think it'll be an interesting year for him um and i'll tell you why because the hill family i think they're big on on having having fun right doing what they enjoy it's pretty pretty apparent Josh Hill loves to, loves his motorcycle, loves to ride, uh, and is, is at his best when he's having fun on his motorcycle. And I think Justin is the same way. Um, and with this team, he's got um, quite a bit of freedom. Uh, he's got uh, a decent group of people around him. He's got a bike that I think uh, a lot of people know how to make work right. Uh, and he's got really no pressure. So I see him, you know, being being able to to, to have fun, ride the way he kind of knows how to ride. Um, and he, he'll, he'll do it pressure free. So that could mean, uh, a pretty fast <laughs> Justin Hill. Um, I know obviously P- team PR Max, they're more of a privateer team and, uh, yeah, they're not getting factory support, but you know, they're, they're guys do pretty decent. We've seen Cade Clayson have some pretty good rides and make, make mains and ride well in them. And Justin is a, he's a world-class talent, man. This is a guy who's, you know, won a supercross title. So I think, he he obviously has what it takes to to get the job done. Um, I don't think he's he's used to this level of of part and support. Not that their parts aren't good, but I think he's really used to like the really high end factory stuff. So I think that'll be a hurdle for him to overcome. But because he doesn't have much pressure on him, he's going to have a lot of fun. And you know, when you and I are having fun riding, that's when we ride our best. I think the same goes for most people. So. I see him doing uh, doing pretty darn solid, man. Um, I don't think he's gonna podium by any means. I think the guys that are do that are in contention for podiums and wins, they're just so freaking elite and world class, and things have changed since Justin's been off the bike a little bit. Um, but I, I I do see him, you know, making mains, maybe riding the top fifteen, top 
you know, 10, 11, maybe even an eight, nine, seven, if he's feeling good that night. Uh, but it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be cool just to see him out there, man. And, and, you know, props to Julian and PRMX for signing them. We've worked with their, with them in our internship program for a number of years. And it's, it's good vibes over there for the interns and for the, and for the riders for the most part. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. Absolutely. I think it can go, it can go a lot of ways, but I think it's going to go, uh, one of two ways here is, um, like basically Justin's never been known for being this out, out of control, um, trainer who's just like absolutely just a beast in the gym. And you know what? I don't think you yeah. need to have that in order to be, um, a top 10, like a, a between like a 10 to 20 guy in supercross. Yeah. Um, yep. like, uh, Lord knows that, uh, if you get a good start and then like the, the pack sort of settles itself out and there's a lot of like, like no offense to Kyle Chisholm, but he's made a living out of getting a good start. And like basically by lap 10, he's just in 11th or 12th and stays there. Um, or he's in 15th and the guys who are out of shape, fall like slide back to him and he comes up and, and grabs a, a 12th or a 13th spot um where where i think that like you said justin hill may struggle is that he's obviously used to riding or for a team that has uh pretty much an endless budget of parts and accessories and different things that they can uh try on the more on the motorcycle they can replace parts at a whim uh, mm-hmm. at like some, sometimes just absolutely ludicrous intervals of, of frequency and how, how often they switch things out. I don't think those types of things are going to be at his beck and call. Um, but he's also a super laid back guy and, and that situation of just sort of like shut up and ride it might be the, the best thing for him. And like, I don't think, I don't, yeah. I don't think that Julian would admit to that's the program that Justin's going to be on. Um, but I, I think that there is something to be said for the guys who just like, they, they have the ability to, to block out the noise of what the bike can and can't do and just do what it, and do what the, the bike does best, um, and make up the rest of it with your ability, which I think that, that, um, that Justin has quite a bit of, obviously he won a championship, um, for, for Mitch, uh, and then didn't defend it on a Suzuki, but, um, I think that uh, there there is potential for maybe uh, I could see like a ceiling or the, the the absolute ceiling be like a ninth place spot, like ninth in a mm-hmm. Supercross on that bike would be uh, a top ten ride, would be a great step in the right direction. I also see some uh, some trips to some LCQs uh, due to mm-hmm. some bad starts, and and I honestly I think where, where he might struggle the most is in qualifying this year, maybe not feeling as comfortable as he'd like to in order to put those heater laps in, um, where he, you'd normally like back in the day, you used to like, uh, they always say like Tampa Hill, uh, it's already three years ago, uh, aboard a, uh, JGR Yamaha where he was able to, I think he was the fastest in qualifying, uh, when he raced opposite coast, um, in 2017. Oh yeah. I remember that. And, uh, th- did he get in front of uh Inuskin and they kind of tangled a little bit? That or, was in the heat race. Put him... That was in the heat race. Oh, was, it, was that was that heat? Okay, I think it was okay. either the heat yeah, race yeah, or like yeah. the first couple laps of the main event. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but either way, um, I don't know that he's gonna have that uh in his quiver to to, to kind of draw back on. But uh, maybe maybe that is something that he ends up able to have, and that would be fantastic because that would be it'd be like obviously a step in the right direction for him. So, um. Yeah. 
I think that it's going to be tough. I think that if he goes into it with open mind, he's going to be more successful than not. Uh, but yep. either way, uh, I think uh, it's a great signing for Julian, and that means a lot of eyeballs on his on his team and his sponsors. So good for him. Yep, for sure, one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, next topic on the docket, uh, we have with us here trainers. Um, like, there's a lot of great trainers out there. Uh, we've we've chatted with quite a few of them. I've had a number of them on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but, uh, imagine if you will, and this is really a stretch of the imagination because, uh, neither one of us, uh, were able to even line up <laughs> to qualify for an AMA national or supercross, let alone, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, glad you prefaced it with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ne- let alone yeah, have the, <laughs> the good fortune of being fast enough and talented enough to uh, compete for these championships and train with these guys. Uh, but let, let's, uh, let's imagine that the two of us are, uh, our, our top flight pros, um, like let's say we're four fifty like four fifty rookies. Who do you want to train with? Like doesn't matter what team you're on, uh like the the bike is generic, but uh like who would you want basically having the keys to your fitness and and uh basically taking you through and making sure that all your your eyes are dotted, your T's are crossed, and uh at least on the physical side of things, who'd you like to work with? Oh man. Um so I guess it's a cool sign that we kind of have multiple options to choose from at this point, right? Like it shows us the sports expanding. People are taking the sport more seriously. People are putting more time into coming in prepared the right way. And I, that's, that's great. So I love to see the, the progression of the sport in that regard. Uh, for me, I'd probably say Alden, I'd probably go for him and it'd probably be Swanee for a close second uh, Alden only for the reason of, I think the same reason that like, like a dungeon would go to him. Right. It's just, you know, that you can't go, you're, you're crossing every single checkbox with that guy. Right. You're, you know, you can't possibly do any more when it comes to training the right way, the most effective way for your mission. And the only mission is to get a championship. So everything you're doing is in preparation for a title. It's not just for a race win. It's certainly not, not for anything that's on a podium, uh, but you're, you're there for a championship. So, like, I think that peace of mind, just knowing that, like, dude, this guy is a champion maker. Um, this is what I'm preparing for is the ultimate, is what, you know, the ultimate feeling, the ultimate accomplishment of winning a championship in Supercross. Um, I, I, for me, that, that, that just, it, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Plus, I mean, he's trained with, uh, a trained, pro athletes forever he trained lance armstrong and i'm like one of the world's biggest lance armstrong fans even after the whole scandal you know what i mean like holy crap dude like this this dude's like a like low-key celebrity for the most part so um i don't know i i just i just think he has a way of approaching the sport approaching training that inspires confidence inspires belief in yourself and just again, takes that peace of mind out that, you know, you're doing everything you possibly can to be the, to do the right thing. Uh, if, if, you know, if I wasn't allowed to pick Alden, I'd probably pick Swanee only because I really like the way that he communicates with his riders. I think he really knows how to talk to not only the young guys, but the more veteran riders also. And I guess to break down what each rider needs to do in order to be successful. Um, and not only that applies it in a way that's, easy to understand, uh, easy to understand and is easily implemented too. So not saying that his training regimen is easy or anything, but 
Uh, I just I just like the way that he works with his athletes to make sure that they they have what they need and it's done the right way in a way that they can easily digest it. You know what I mean? Totally agree. And you know what? That's a that's a great pull on either one of those guys. They both do a fantastic job. Um, <clears throat> and by no my 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 picks are uh, not no slight on those guys at all because I know uh, they both produce championships in this in the sport and. Uh, they, uh, they work really hard. I think one of the things that uh, I like about Swanee is that he seems to have more longevity with guys. I feel like, and this is uh, maybe um, maybe a narrative that's gotten a little bit tired and overplayed, but uh, the fact that, that um, <clears throat> Alden sort of like wears guys out and, and, and wears guys down mm-hmm. and they don't want to be in the sport anymore, I think that does actually like get a... Like, kind of annoy the shit out of Alden. I don't, I don't think he likes that. Uh, that's their narrative. Unfortunately, that's just what, that is what a lot of people say. And yeah, there is some proof in that pudding. Um, and, but honestly, I, I really like the fact that, uh, Swanee has always been really amazing about, um, being able to work with guys for a number of years. I think of a guy like Aaron Plessinger, who has literally been with Swanee for essentially all but, this year coming up, like it's that's probably like six, seven years, um, working with them even back on the amateur days a little bit. Uh, same thing with uh, Colt Nichols; they've worked together for a really, really long time. I think Colt's now working with uh, on the fitness side a little bit with DV. Um, but I'm gonna go off the page. Um, I think it would be almost like a deadlock tie, and I'd give it to Johnny O only for the fact that I think he's worked with more Ooh. guys. Um, but. Yeah. We want to talk about like the guy that started it all on the fitness side with a guy like uh, Ricky Carmichael is that was Johnny O is that was the guy who took who basically introduced Ricky Carmichael to working out period because uh, prior to that there just he, that wasn't really part of uh, RC's uh, regimen he rode a ton but he, he like I'm sure and I'm sure he made his uh, his, uh, his walking around with some chicken nuggets in his pocket uh, a regularity but. Johnny O'Mara, uh, to me, is the preeminent motocross trainer. I think he he has it. He has things down to a science. So far to the point where he himself has double hip replacement and is probably a more um, capable athlete than I am right now. Period. Like mm. full stop. Uh, which is insane because I think he's over. He's over fifty years old. Maybe like he might be damn near in his sixties. Um, so that impresses me once again. And then, uh, I think just the way he communicates, he's been on the podcast more than once. Uh, he's, and he just, he, he has a way of, uh, communicating with riders and I think he does a fantastic job. Um, so that, that's who I would pick is it would definitely be, uh, none other than the great Johnny O. That's a, that's a really good point and a good pick. And he, he has worked, worked with a lot of riders. So you mentioned RC, I know he's worked with. Did he work with James for a little bit too, as well as uh, the oh, yeah. Martin Brothers? Yeah, and I think he did. He did he work with the Lawrence Brothers too? Uh, the Lawrence Brothers. I'm not. Maybe you know what that he might have. Uh, that very well could be. Uh, more yeah. recently, I've known obviously he, him to work with uh, Joey Savacci. Um, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, and I, I think he's he's spent a lot yeah. of time with a lot of young riders, and I, I think that's maybe where his his skills are best used is sort of that yeah. introductory to training that like those principles, those those fundamentals, and then maybe mm-hmm. that's where you'd inject a guy like uh, Alden 
or um, yeah. or Swanee in that can sort of dial in the more uh, more of the nutrition side of things. Not to say that Johnny doesn't know that side, but uh, um, maybe maybe Johnny's specialty would be taking guys uh, who are a little bit more raw. Um, I, I like that. And you know, somebody that that flies under the radar, and I, I Johnny oh, Johnny O is phenomenal. I, I'm embarrassed that he skipped my mind, uh, but he's almost like um, like that only equivalent I can think of is like ghost rider for like a lot of like rappers and artists and stuff like that. And like, cause a lot of people like he's there, a lot of people like use him, but like you don't, he's not really in the main spotlight of things. And another rider like that um, turn trainer is Davey Millsaps, man. I'm starting to realize just how many people have trained with Davey and how, like how many people's uh, just level of not only fitness, but racecraft has risen because of working with Davey. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you know what I think is the the linchpin to Davy Millsap's success as a trainer is that Davy Millsap spent his entire career trying to duck trainers and make up all the excuses and not do the work, uh, and he had a lot of injuries, but he would probably mm-hmm. be very uh, honest with people that he he didn't do as much work as he probably should have done. So when mm. it comes to training with Davey, a you either do it or he completely just like blows you off, or like mm. you literally there is no excuse that Davey probably hasn't already used. Yeah, and and he like he doesn't buy any of it. Like when he was when he was working with A Ray, and an A Ray would like come up with like this excuse or that excuse. Like I'm sure mm. Mel Saps was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not buying yeah. it. Like yep. sorry, dude. Like. Like tough, and, and I think that's like a like a little bit of uh, like a a plus to him is that he has the, so much experience with guys trying to sort of evade uh, having that uh, that that impactful training, and and him be able to sort yeah. of be like kind of take guys by the hand and be like, no, you're gonna do it, you're gonna you're gonna power through it. Like if I can do it, you can do it. He does a lot of the training yeah. with those guys. Um, yep. And one guy we didn't we we sort of mentioned there for a second with Colt is uh, a guy who's pretty underrated as a trainer I think is uh, is David Villeman. Can not only does he know the fitness and the nutrition mm. side, he also might be uh, the best eyes on the sport as far as uh, um, actual riding ability as well. Obviously, uh, lending his yeah. tutelage to a guy like uh, Dylan Ferrandis, who for all intents and purposes, if you watch Dylan on a cowie over in Europe prior to him coming over here, you're like, okay, hey, that guy is nothing special. Like he's yeah. good outdoors. He's kind of a bulldog. He's kind of a dick to ride against, but all in all, like mm-hmm. he didn't really jump off the page and he's won three championships over here already. And yeah, will likely uh, rattle off some, some super cross wins on a 450 this year. So watch out. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that was a, thanks, uh, no, no kidding. DB is solid. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. DB just like, crushing Eli Tomac fans dreams here. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And something that I've been wanting to get to during this entire podcast is something that we're both excited about. And it also has to do with podcasts is that, um, it's back, baby Bubba's world, not as a reality TV show that nobody watched, but as a podcast. Yeah. James Stewart coming back to the promised land. Now, what do you expect from this podcast? Like, what kind of episodes do you hope to hear? And and fingers crossed that this is more than like a one and done or, you know what I mean? I, I would love to find out that uh, this is like a, a consistent thing for James. Even if he did like an episode every two weeks, 
regularly for a good amount of time. I think that would be great for him. Oh, dude. Okay, so I can talk about this for an hour. Perfect. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. So I, I am the world's biggest James Stewart fan. Kiss my ass, raining yellow. I am the biggest James Stewart fan, dude. We got the same birthday. Uh, we, I'm glued in, right? All things too. So to hear that he yeah. was back, dude. You're an FXR guy, and the only jersey hanging in your studio is a Fox jersey because it's, it's Stu. Fo- and that and that and that should tell you something, dude. Because I love my FXR stuff, my FXR family. And yeah, I got a I got a Stewie uh, Fox jersey in there. But um, no, dude. I mean, like when I heard like the whole like heard Stu's voice and saw the promo, dude. Like my palms are sweaty, hearts racing. I'm like, dude, we're back. This is awesome. Stu is has returned to the sport. Um, dude, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think a lot of the newer generation of kids, like they know Stu, but they don't really like know, like Stu the way that I think we do. Cause like, they, I don't think they realize how prolific of a rider he was. I don't think they'll, they, there won't ever be a time in motocross history when a rider will have such an obvious gap in talent, racecraft foresight, um, just, just natural ability and the way that they think through riding, um, as, as James Stewart had against his competition, man, like the things that he was doing and the way he was riding and setting up combos on the track. And it was just so, so light years ahead of his competition. And, uh, I think it's going to be really cool to bring Stu's perspective in, I guess, eye for riding and, and his, input in for this newer generation the way that they ride the bike and it's they ride the bike because Stuart rode the bike that way right you know what i mean so it's going to be really cool i hope that he gets into some more nitty-gritty stuff kind of like we saw with that uh quick two or three part expose two, a couple years ago where he talks about you know hey i really hated my 05 kx250 i would have never known that man like i thought that bike was i wish i never heard that right? like I know, right? Like it, it kind of broke your heart a little bit, but it's kind of cool to like to hear that what he thought about it, or like, hey, I hated my 06 or something like that, or yeah, you know what? I was actually really nervous for this race because I don't like on-offs or something. So all a lot of that cool, I guess, nostalgia piece would be kind of cool. But I, I want that coupled with um, just hearing his take on riding, man. Like you know what he thinks of this modern day in riding, you know. Uh, who he thinks is really good. I, I, I want to hear him say like, oh, you know what, dude? I don't. I think if I was riding right now in my prime versus uh, Jet at his prime, I'd smoke the kid. Or you know what? I think he would smoke me or something, right? So, um, no, it, it just it it just it's bringing up so many cool topics that I really want to want to hear him hear, hear him talk about like the pressures of racing at the top, his experience versus some of his counterparts, why he left the way he did. Um, you know, understandably, if I was Stu, I'd probably feel jaded, you know, what the water thing meant for, to him and his career, all that stuff. I hope you get into, and I hope this is something that, like, like you'd mentioned, I hope it's something that's just not one and done. I hope this is a weekly or bi-weekly deal. I hope he's got really cool guests on that he's, he's able to open up with. Um, I will, I will sell my mother to be a guest on his show. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um, I, no, uh, that is dude, the truth. Oh my could you could you imagine dude oh my gosh mom i love you you're the only one listening right now uh but dude i mean i would that you can call it a career dude getting on that guy's show but yeah all of that man i'd love to hear all of that um you know be be brought up man how cool would it be to have Reed on him him and Reed talk about like 
yeah, dude, I hated you after Unadilla. Well, I fucking hated you too, but hey, man, like, kind of funny how we're friends now, huh? And like, oh, by the way, you know, we, we used to prank you. Oh, we prank you too. We put fucking octopus water in your boot or some stupid shit, right? <laughs> that'd be awesome, dude. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool to see, like, just the inside little mind tricks and all that stuff, man. That, that would be so rad to hear. Yeah, no, it absolutely would be. Like, uh, I think that would be unbelievable. I, I like obviously, if you were a guest, uh, I, first of all, I think you deserve it. I'm just gonna say that I think you do deserve to be on that podcast. Thank um, you, thank you too, sir. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, like you're just saying that because I said it for you, but that's fine. Um, in all seriousness, though, like I, I could see this being a once every two weeks, so bi-weekly podcast. Uh, James, I, I would love to have him chat, like have him his dad a few on a few times for different like story times. I think it would oh, be really yeah. neat to uh, <clears throat> have him and his brother on. Obviously, uh, Malcolm would they'd have some cool stories. Honestly, you know who I'd like uh, like to have him ha- have on is his mom. I think. Oh, that'd be cool. I think because obviously that's someone who we we haven't heard much from over the years. Like uh, there's there's been very limited sort of interviews or even like if you you can follow her on uh, on Instagram. I think she's uh, she's not even private. Uh, she posts about her sons and 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 she seems like a very sweet lady. I think her perspective is something that is not well told, and I, I think that'd be very very interesting to get. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, if if he was on with uh, with Beaker from uh, um, I think he's with Wasserman now um, as uh, no he's with who's he with the family um, like mm-hmm. as well as uh, Steve Astafan like some of the like behind the scenes stuff obviously I'd love to have him with Ooh, Ricky yeah. or uh, yep. Chiz him and Chiz were like really good buddies um, stuff like that I think that would be really really neat. Uh, as well as some of his old teammates, like have him and Burner do a podcast together. Him and Ferry yeah. do a podcast. Both be Florida guys. Uh, him and Yogi yeah. do one. Like he's Florida and Carpenter. Yogi's, yeah, Carpenter. Like that yeah. would be really neat. Yeah. I think that would be so neat to see, like just have like those guys get together again um, and sort of reminisce some old times. Uh, like I don't think you'd get him and uh, Mike Fisher on on a call, but uh, if that. If that no, ever happened, no, I doubt it. I think you have more chance of getting on that podcast than Mike Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Straight up. In fact, I think I have a better chance getting on that podcast than Mike Fisher. Uh, I think he should yeah. have. I think he should have uh, Steve on from Pulpa Max, uh, just because yep. Steve has has such a great uh, great memory for stuff like that. Um, mm. Anyone that like called James's races, like uh, like a David Bailey or uh, a David Pingry. Those like both those guys would be awesome to talk to. Just guys that watched him do his thing. Um, yeah, I, I think those would be some really really interesting ways for him to do that podcast. I I would love to see that it like it's more than just like three episodes and then he gets tired of it. Um, yeah, because like obviously that, if you don't get traction, I, I hope not either. I, yeah. I I just I just don't see why why he wouldn't want to continue to do this. Dude, number one, it's it's easy to do, right? This, I'm sure he's doing all this all from his house. Yeah. And number two, I'm like, dude, you could cash out on this. Are you kidding me? There's money incentive. I don't think he, the guy's hurting for money, obviously. But like, I'm I'm, just, I'm trying to think like rack my brain for all the reasons why he wouldn't want to do it consistently. And I just I can't think of many besides he just would rather golf. 
You know what I mean? Honestly, I think that'd probably be it. Is that I, I like you just hit the nail on the head. He doesn't need the money, and by by cashing out, like I don't think that like Ma, like rock uh, rockstar uh, Red Bull or whoever or like it wouldn't be Seven. He owns that company. Like I don't know if there's a company that's throwing like crazy amounts of money at him to do his podcast. Um, and literally like that guy's portfolio financially probably makes him several million dollars a year. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, that's like, like that's the difference between having, having like generational wealth or like extra generational wealth. Like that's the kind of like yeah. a, if he doesn't, if there's something he doesn't want to do, he's not going to do it. Um, yeah. But I would love to see it. I, I honestly, I would, I would love those behind the scenes, like kind of like those, like tr- the training stories. I would love to have he if he had Alden on. Holy crap, they'd get into some stories oh, with that. Oh man, uh, yep. some of, maybe some of his old practice bike mechanics, like or like like uh, whoever built the track. Like the I would love to do a, hear a podcast about him talking with a guy who basically built the track from that 2009 heli shoot with uh, I guess who that was Verb Moto, oh. I guess it was Red Bull. Um, yeah. or him and Wes Williams having on cause like Wes is like known James forever and like filmed him a bunch. Uh, I yep. think that would be super neat. Um, I would love just a podcast where James talks about the video segments that never happened. Like, Oh, I was supposed to mm-hmm. film with so-and-so, but my knee got all jacked up or, uh, I was film supposed to film something for Alta and like, they like showed up with a bike and everything else. And I just completely like ignored them. <laughs> You know what's you know what's crazy to me that um, that happened. Yeah, like just just stuff like like imagine being so popular and having such a a lore and a whole a chokehold on the industry when people can build you whole motorcycles and plan like these very expensive shoots and like with you know hundred thousand dollar cameras and people on payroll and editors and lighting guys and sound guys and you know engineers to develop the bike the way you want it to and then just with a whim be like you know what i kind of want to stay and watch tv nah and everyone's just like oh well okay i guess he said no i guess we're gonna pack up and just go home now like could you imagine that dude like no i i hate wiki i hate i hate being late for like uh, an appointment with a bank teller or some shit like that you know what i mean like this little menial errand shit like that and just to be stew and just be like, you know what? People are spending almost half a million on this one shoot. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's I guess, kind of cool, but also eh, not the coolest, but also eh, you deserve it, right? You worked your ass off in this sport to be able to do whatever you want. So, Yeah, like uh, I, I guess that, that kind of, speaks kind of volumes about how much we love him, that he can he can pull stuff like that and no one kind of holds yeah, it against exact. him. And we, and we still love the dude and still praise him. Yeah. If, if I could have that. I fucking have that impact on people, dude. Oh man. Yeah, it, like if if you if you could be so great that you could just be a dick to everyone, it, it, Dave, that that would be your dream. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it really no. But, I, I mean, you still be, couldn't. But to be able to do, to to know that like my my impact is so great that like I could and you know and people would still love me, but also like just never do it. That'd be kind of preferable, also. Um, but still like the, the fact that uh, he meant so much to so many people and we saw such a, such potential and such amazement in the guy that like, he could do no wrong in our eyes. I think it speaks volume to just how, 
cool of a rider, how accomplished, how just uh, revolutionary he was as a as an athlete, man. It's just it's it's absolutely insane. And from what I hear from people, like talking to uh, Jason Gypsy Tales and stuff, like the guy was pretty a pretty cool guy. So I'm sure the the incidents where he didn't show up and did stuff, I'm sure they're you know pretty far between. Um, but still, I mean, still kind of rad. Uh, one thing you didn't bring up was, um, I bet I bet you would like this too. I would love to hear what it what the discussions were like when he first went pro, and the decision came down between Calvi and Honda. I would love to see or or hear how that kind of unfolded. You know? Yeah, like ha- like have a a podcast between him and like the the guy who brought the like the the team manager that is, that set up a bike for James Stewart. And, and, yeah. and what they did to make like and how many different things they brought to try different things and like what he thought of the yep. bike and um and wh- whatever happened to the bike like like obviously like the bike probably got part like got like torn down and they used yeah, the parts yeah, for sure. some, you know what i mean I'm, but like I'm what sure that like, was like a backup bike for the team or something maybe but who knows you know what i mean like did he get to keep it um Stuff like that. That would be so neat. Or him. I just thought of a podcast idea for him. Like, like he should just hire me for a podcast guy idea uh, or a podcast idea guy. But um, in all seriousness, I think a podcast between him and uh, uh, Pete Fox from Fox Racing, a guy that literally designed the Zebra gear that he used to run, the Fuchsia gear, uh, so many unreal, iconic James Stewart. He literally like like designed the Bubblicious like thing obviously like that's the it was like a uh like a playoff of like hubba bubba uh, bubble gum back in the day but like yeah you know what i mean like it's just i think that'd be super neat or like every mechanic he ever had i don't know if he's on speaking terms with j-bone but that'd be really cool probably more likely to get j-bone on than read on so i would love to have j like hear him with j-bone or he did a perfect season with uh mike williams uh, or Mike Williamson and Williamson is a guy that I would love to have on this podcast. Cause I think he has some things to say as well about Cowie. Um, yeah. Or just like, yeah, him and Larry Brooks, uh, who else was one of his team managers? Obviously he had, uh, Bruce Sternstrom over at Yamaha or Suzuki, KT, fuck, Kawasaki, uh, Mike, Mike Fisher. Is there anybody yeah. else? Maybe Roy Turner. Was Turner still there or was it Sternstrom? you know too either way i think those were all great ideas and we're just going long yeah. and sort of like spitballing here but you know we can probably just pull our pants up and and move on because like these podcasts are going to be unreal and i'm looking forward to it yeah oh, i can't wait man this is this is going to be great for so many people in, in the sport only thing i hope is that you know we get them as open and candid all the conversation topics as possible and that we have a lot of them that's that's all i'm all i'm banking on Hundred percent. I I want an open James, and I want lots of it. Uh, but that's what I've wanted about motocross since two thousand and two. So, um, <laughs> Dave Drake's here on the on the Big MX Radio podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing. Uh, we love our guys over at Fox. Uh, if you're looking for something underneath the tree, what better place to go than Fox? FoxUSA.com, Fox Canada, uh, go to your the local Fox dealer, uh, find something that you love, whether it's uh, like casual apparel or uh, riding gear for uh, uh, for that next weekend or the next riding season that's coming up if you're from Canada. Um, like uh, I'm, I'm disappointed and sad to say that uh, I've been using the 2004 uh, calendar that apparently actually works out to the day. 
uh, to match everything, all the dates, and that's not going to work again for another 12 years, so that bums me out, but I'll uh, dust this thing off again uh, in a number of years. So, um, Dave, final thoughts and, and maybe a, pro, a, pro, a little bit of a promo or shout out to uh, Shameless Plug for some of the things that you got going on. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited for this upcoming season. Um, I'm pretty, pretty stoked to see what shakes out with this Stuart, uh, podcast. Cause I was getting ready to call you right before this and just geek out with you for an hour. So I'm glad you recorded it. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm, we're, we're counting down the days till, uh, till Supercross, man. So I'm pretty pumped. Um, yeah. For anyone that's listening, if you want to come and experience a race like never before, get hands on, hang out with people like Big and Max Radio's, uh, very own Brad Gebhardt. Uh, some really cool industry insiders, some top riders, and start to build a career in the sport that we all love. Check us out at the Collective EX on Instagram, thecollectivexp.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel where you can see what our program's all about. It's just the Collective Experience on YouTube. We've got lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, lots of vlogs, uh, lots of cool information to kind of showcase what we provide here as a service and uh, how you can be involved in the sport like never before. Absolutely. If you want to be part of a vlog that gets like, 17 viewers uh the the collective <laughs> experience is the one for you um exactly. dave drakes always a pleasure <laughs> never a chore thanks for those who listened um really appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen to these podcasts if you have a request of who you'd like to have on if you'd like to request that i don't have dave on anymore you can sure as heck do that as well either hit me up on uh, email <laughs> brad 88 at gmail.com or just straight up uh on the like slide into my dms on Instagram, Brad Gebhardt 88 or Big MX Radio. Uh, hopefully, you've been also been playing uh, Big MX Radio trivia that comes out every weekday at uh, at around nine o'clock in the morning, uh, Central Time. So, uh, hopefully, you guys will be enjoying that. And every time you have a correct answer, you are entered to win a monthly prize. Um, and uh, really stoked on that. So, Dave, appreciate the time, man. Oh, always, man. Always on a bench race. And uh, yeah, shout out to Big MX Radio, man. Thank you, my friend. You have yourself a good one.